This is Living Max Health Podcast, where we're transforming world health and we're transforming your health. I'm here with a very special guest. This is Dr. Patrick Kennedy. I've known uh, Dr. Pat for a long time now, and so we're going to be talking about what we can do to help you and what we can do to help to transform not only the, the healthy living in your life, but also how you age and the quality of your life. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you came to be where you are now and, and uh, what can we learn here? Okay. You want to go back to like grade school or? Yeah, give me a little bit of kind of uh, the initial story, how you uh, maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, getting into swimming and okay. how you end up, ended up where you are now. Okay. All right. Well, so the short, short rendition, because you know the whole story pretty much, but you know, I was uh, about 120 pounds when I was nine. No earthly, you know, concept or desire to be on a swim team. Uh, I'd rather be playing hockey with a lot of padding around. And uh, my mom thought, gee, you'd be a good swimmer. So anyway, she, she convinced me to try out for a swim team and I got cut. And I was very happy about that because, I, you know, putting a little chubby kid in a Speedo in 1974 <laughs> was not my idea of fun. But as soon as I got cut, uh, something sparked in me. It was like, I was mad. I'd never been cut from anything before. And so um, that led to me asking my mom, Mom, I, I want to be on the team now. And she, she got me lessons. And Anyway, long story short, I made the team the next year. And then I just got, you know, one thing in front of the other. I started enjoy swimming, setting goals. You know, I, I didn't consciously decide, oh, wow, you know, if adversity hits, you know, you overcome it. I just was starting to live it. And so I started setting goals because I, you know, hey, I got cut and then I got on the team. So what could I do next? So by the time I was 12, I was the number one 12-year-old in the country for a 100-yard backstroke. Um, and just a few years before, I was cut from the team. So I started thinking, I can do something with this. And I was watching the 1976 Olympics and watched a, an American, John Neighbor, win some gold medals. And I told my dad, I said, uh, I'd like to do that, Dad. And he told me, he said, son, you can do anything you set your mind to. And I believed my dad. And as we were talking last night, I really, uh, you know, I know that what you believe up here, you know, and translates into your heart and belief and they work together, you can accomplish anything. If you're just willing to sacrifice and all that. And anyway, you know, by the time I was 20, I, I did swim in the 1984 Olympics. But 11 years before then, I was cut from the team. So I, you know, I think go through life as, you know, blessed in that I've had those experiences that you know, as a doctor now, when patients are faced with adversity, it's, you know, when they say, I can't, I always say, no, don't say that. You know, maybe you're not doing it right now, but you probably can if you want to, if you have the desire to, and if you're willing to work for it, sacrifice, it just depends on how much do you want it. And so I know I wouldn't be a doctor today if I hadn't been cut from that swim team. Did, were you in an interaction with other kids, maybe that you grew up in that when you were nine years old or you were 12, 12 years old that actually excelled the way that you did? Or were you, were you kind of an outlier in terms of your ability to be able to perform? 
uh, at nine, I, I don't think so. I think probably, you know, just like most kids, you're more interested in picking your nose and finding a place to put it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, by the time I was 11-ish, I remember, there was a couple boys, and I had the privilege of going back to the swim team that cut me a few years ago. They wanted me to come speak at their banquet. And it was so much fun because some of the guys, you know, it's been 30-something years, 34 years ago, or no, 40 years ago. Jeez, time flies. But So I went back, and I, I wanted to thank two, two boys that were very fast swimmers. And I was this new kid on the team. <clears throat> and they, they uh, didn't know this, but they took me under their wing, you know, at 11. And uh, one of the kids, you know, I said, I, I want to be, be fast. They said, well, you want to be fast? This is what you have to do. So one of the boys said, you know, I'm going to go first in the lane, and you try to catch me. And the fast kid was going behind me, and he said, don't let me catch you. <laughs> and we swam like that for hours and days, weeks. And, and uh, you know, we lost track because I moved when I was 12 to a different state, different team. And I went back and gave this, this speech, but uh, they were in the audience, and I, I thanked them. They didn't have any idea how much they impacted me. I said, you guys at age 11, you know, went in front of me and went behind me. And I went with them, and it was, uh, it was such a blessing and an honor to be able to thank them. And, and they didn't know at age 11 what they did for me, but it, it was such a model for today. Like, you know, there are people that are going to go in front of you, and there are people behind you, and, and encircle you, and they're going to be part of your unit. You know, nobody succeeds in this life all alone. Mm -hmm. Did you have issues with injuries at all growing up? Like, you know, what were some of the obstacles you had between when you were 11 or 12 and when you actually were in the Olympics? You know, what was happening to your body at that particular time? You know, swimmers are very uh, good stretchers. You know, if you're, if you're swimming tight, you swim slow. So we were very disciplined. You know, those that were reaching higher levels, you know, you have to spend you know 30 minutes stretching and if you've ever stretched for five minutes it seems like an hour you're like oh i just want to get working out you know but you have to be that disciplined to just keep stretching so i didn't have a whole lot of injuries i mean i sprained you know i twisted my ankles knees running and stuff um, I, I did uh, tear a few muscles doing some dips when i was um, training you know doing some dry land stuff and it um, I never was sidelined, you know, the, the coach was like, well, you're injured, but get in and kick, you know, or you're, you're injured, you know, you're going to, uh, your foot's, you know, bothering, you're going to pull, you know, so I learned, you don't stop, you just keep going, and, you know, to be smart, you know, you know obviously I wasn't going to be doing butterfly on a torn shoulder, but right. you get on a kickboard and, and kick, and I became, through that injury, I became probably one of the fastest butterfly kickers in the country. And, you know, um, just a really hard stroke. It's a hard stroke. I watch people doing it and I'm amazed. Yeah. And I can't do it today. <laughs> I can do it, but it doesn't look good. Yeah. But you know, that was one of my best strokes, but I attributed again, you know, adversity pulled my shoulder, made me become an amazing kicker. So, you know, life throws stuff at you and it's just how you're going to deal with it. You know, you can quit. 
and then you lose everything or you, you go, well, this happened for a reason and then you turn it into something good. So, um, and, and that's, that's good. So I'm always encouraging patients and like we were talking at breakfast this morning, I encourage myself every day because life doesn't, you know, come at you like a bowl of cherries all the time. You know, you get, you get mud thrown at you and how are you going to respond to it? Right. So, so you're growing up, you're swimming, you make the Olympic team. And what's going through your mind at that particular time? What are you learning about yourself in terms of from a performance aspect? Um, you know, I think a lot of people, they try to get themselves to go exercise or they try to get themselves committed to doing something. What was the thing, what was the driving force for you in, in your experience? Gosh, I don't know if I can just sum it up in one thing. Um, I mean, there was multiple factors. I mean, if we're talking about what what gave me success, I, I think, you know, having started out in, um, like we were talking earlier, you know, the, the human brain is, is wired to, you know, do whatever it can to avoid pain, and then it'll try to go towards pleasure, you know. So, you know, you move away from pain and you go towards pleasure. And it's kind of, you know, I, I had pain of being cut. That hurt, you know, it was humbling. It was kind of stayed in the back of your brain yeah. and just kept driving you. Right, you know, and even though I was breaking national records, it still was like, I don't want that ever again. I don't want to be cut. I don't want to come in second. I want to win, you know. Winning feels good. You know, getting cut feels bad. So I guess that kind of stuck with me. It wasn't like I determined, oh, here's my secret, you know, at nine years old, you don't know. You know, so I, I, that's why I say I'm blessed to have been cut from the swim team because it, it, it motivated me to go towards the, the pleasure, go towards the goal. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have gone towards, you know, any of that had I not been cut. Um, I wouldn't become a doctor if I hadn't been cut, you know. So I think, I think from that aspect, I don't think I ever really got over being cut. And, and I think it's a good thing, you know, you know, even Michael Phelps, who broke all those records, he knew somebody wanted to dethrone him and it was going to feel bad when he dethroned him. So he was motivated to, I don't want that, you know, and then of course he worked hard and he loved getting gold medals. That's great. But he worked hard at like, I don't want to be dethroned. You know, that was pain. that's painful. So I, I think that, that lesson, you know, is, goes a long way. What, did, what drew you towards chiropractic? Because you had kind of completed your swimming career and you were moving into the next phase of your life. And so, um, you know, some people may have gone in a different direction. They could have become an athletic trainer. They could have been a right. physical therapist. Could have been thing. What was the thing that kind of sparked you about chiropractic? And did you have chiropractic through your swimming training or was that something that happened later on? It, it did happen later on towards the end of my swimming career. Um, I was fortunate enough to swim with a group of really talented swimmers whose dads, a lot of them were doctors. And, you know, I looked at that and said, I want to do that. So, you know, again, like-minded swimming, doctors, we we're all going to kind of do this together. So, you know, we got good grades, we encouraged each other. Um, but... I didn't have a high opinion of chiropractors at all. Um, some of the foulest things that came out of my mouth 
when patients come in and go, I don't want to offend you, I go, you can't say anything <laughs> that I didn't say. Because, you know, I was being around the medical world was chiropractors are quacks, chiropractors aren't real doctors, chiropractors will paralyze you, they'll hurt you, stay away from them. That was what I knew about chiropractic. That's it. And so, um, fortunate enough, I just made, this is back in 1982, I just made the U.S. national team to go over to Russia to compete against the Russians. And, you know, at that time, the, you know, the Cold War was in full-fledged, you know, and we, we hated them, they hated us, and I wanted to go over there and kick some Russians' butts, you know. And um, so I'm bench pressing, and I dropped the bench press on my, and something cracked and snapped, and I couldn't turn my head. And I, and I went to all the specialists because I had access to all that, you know, friends, doctors, and also had uh, national team doctors, and nobody could help me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to miss going to Russia. And everybody kept around me, you know, there's a chiropractor up the street, and I'm like, I'm not going to one of them, you know. And finally, I was desperate. And my dad was unemployed. We had no insurance. And I, I was a teenager, I was 18, I had no money. So I go into this chiropractor's office and I tell him, I don't believe in you. <laughs> I, I think what you guys do is witch doctory stuff. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Russia. I got no money, no insurance, I can't pay you. What do you think? And this chiropractor was so nice. He said, you know what? I'm gonna help you. And he said, and my payment's gonna be when you swim in Russia, I want you to send me a postcard from Russia. And to this day, in his office, he still has that postcard hanging up, and you know, from from Russia, from me. And um, you know, I walked in there in incredible pain. And he was on the fourth floor, and I had to go up in an elevator. I remember pushing the button and going up. And then when I left, I felt like six inches taller. Like I, I literally, I was like. The elevator shrunk. I mean, I felt, and it was like, it makes me want to sit up a little. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, this, there's something to this. But it still wasn't enough for me to say, you know, I'm going to be a chiropractor. Um, so I went through pre-med, University of Florida. All my swimming stuff was coming to an end. And I, I took an independent study in the hospital. Uh, got accepted to University of Florida Med School. And so I was, you know, going to be starting in there. So I was working in a, uh, it was a very sad wing of the hospital. It was children who were terminally, you know, ill with cancer. But they were having certain operations. And I was going into the room before the operation and talking to the kids and the parents and writing things up for whatever class I was taking. And this doctor, in the middle of his mother crying to me on the couch, she was sobbing about her child and um, the doctor walked in and pushed me like literally pushed me out of the way and I was like wow he didn't he didn't see what was going on so I tried to interrupt him and, and say you know she was telling about her child you know and he he pushed me further out of the way and I went out in the hallway and I was like what is wrong with that guy and the nurse was like, oh, he's arrogant, he's really cold, you know, don't let it bother you. I'm like, that's horrible. And I said, what was he like when he started here? And she, she said to me, oh, he was so much fun, he was really kind of like you. 
And I went, is that what's going to happen to me? And she said, yeah, honey, a lot of them get that way. And I was like, I'm going to be a chiropractor. Because every chiropractor I had met at that point was happy. You know, you went in feeling bad, you left feeling good. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I, I, I'm too, I love people too much. And I, you know, I, I thought I'm changing my career. So it, it wasn't until then. So a lot of things happened. And, and it's, I think it's made me the doctor I am today. Hmm. So, so you then, so you, you were doing this, the pre-med, you, know, you were in chiropractic school and you graduated and you went out on your own or you worked for another doctor? Yeah, for about um, two, two and a half years, worked for another doctor who had a very big practice, saw a lot of personal injury cases um, and it wasn't what I wanted to do. You know, it was it was kind of a, a machine. Yeah. You know, they were just you know car accidents coming in. You didn't really get to. They were only there because they wanted their case to you know finish. And I, some genuinely wanted to be better, but you know it just gave me a bad taste in my mouth. But I learned a lot of uh, how to run a business. Um, you know, train, work with staff, and I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do. And you know, so then I you know went out on my own, which was hard. And went through the school of hard knocks and learned how to, you know, they don't teach how to be a business person in school. But I think by the grace of God, because I love people and I have a desire to be the best at whatever I'm doing. So if I'm with a patient, that particular moment, it's like Olympics. You know, I'm, I'm going to give them the best treatment. I'm going to have to listen to them, you know, because most of the time you learn so much just by listening. And some of us doctors, and I do too, I like to talk, I like to teach, because doctor means teacher. You know, but before you can teach, you kind of want to know, what do they need to be taught? You can't start teaching until you've listened to a patient, or to a friend, or to a relative, or whatever. You can't start talking until you actually hear what, what it is that they need or want. You know, so a lot of those early years, it was just shutting up you know, and listening and then just giving the patient what they wanted. And, and uh, so, so now i got gray hair and, and, and <laughs> <Me too. laughs> have some wisdom. And so, you know, there, there is experience that's involved. I still, you know, I, I'd say uh, I practice being a good listener. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you share with your patients that actually you think would be valuable for the people that are watching this video or listening to this podcast can learn about themselves and how they can become healthier in their life. Wow, oh, that's huge. Uh, you, you know, we just went through a renovation and I used to have these sayings from people that I just really, you know, admire. You know, you like to read autobiographies. And, you know, you learn a lot from people. And Walt Disney, you know, just what he did was just incredible and faced such adversity and I think he went bankrupt a couple times and you know this empire that he built is off this little cartoon he sketched you know one day Mickey you know and you know you look at it and he's got a saying it says um, uh, the difference between winning and losing is most often not quitting and um, I have a big picture of of Walt with Mickey that's getting ready to go into my office 
and we're going to put that saying right alongside it. So when I'm encouraging patients, they see that, and it's like the difference between winning in this healthcare thing or losing in the healthcare thing is is most often not quitting. Don't quit. Don't ever quit. You know. And didn't Winston Churchill say that? You know, one of his never, 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 never quit. And he left the stage. Right. What else you got to say? Right. You just don't ever quit. So I think that's all really great. And I remember hearing an interview about, uh, I think it was Groucho Marx. And they would say about Groucho Marx that he didn't want to be a part of any organization that wouldn't have him. (laughs) (laughs) He knew that they wouldn't have him. He wanted it even more. Yeah. So from a, but from a, uh, you know, from a practical standpoint or, you know, everybody has to go to sleep, they have to wake up in the morning, they get dressed, and in the course of their day, I feel like people are either moving themselves towards healthier life, healthier aging, healthier living, or they're deteriorating, and they're going in the opposite direction. And so, what can we say here today that can actually help people to move their their lives and their health and the quality of their life forward? You're, you're asking some powerful, deep questions, you know, that we could probably spend a few days talking about that one. You know, last night when we were just sitting around, just cutting up and just pondering all these things, uh, you know, we talked about sheep. And sheep are dumb, like really dumb. And, you know, a lot of references in the Bible talk about how we're sheep. And it's not a it's not a nice thing to think about, you know, that we're we're sheep, and and you know, so I, I think when we're in our subconscious program mode, we're just going through, like you say, you know, kind of zombie, just doing our thing. I think most of us just do that, and we're kind of lulled into, you know, like the sheep know. Well, every time at two o'clock in the afternoon, that's when we get fed. You know, we start seeing the shepherd come up and we go, oh, it's time to eat, you know, instead of trying to find some food on our own, you know, taking responsibility, we we just, we line up and, you know, we're, we're like a welfare kind of state, you know, it's like, when do I get this? When do I get that? And I think when people wake up and usually takes tragedy, you know, I had a heart attack or face cancer or, you know, diabetes and lost a foot. They kind of wake up from being a dumb sheep and go, um, I got to do something different, you know, and then all of a sudden they're awake. And, and I think, I think that's the biggest thing is to, to, you know, just admit, you know, I've just been going, going with the tide. I've been going with everybody else is marching this way. Well, that must be the way to go. Instead of like looking at the people who, you know, like Winston Churchill, like, you know, uh, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, you know, all these people, Tony Robbins, you know, uh, Napoleon Hill, you know, these great thinkers, people who are just like, we're going to do something different. I mean, uh, you know, and I think, you know, when you get snapped out of that, that just, you know, I call it the standard American death march, you just, you, sn- you snap out of it and, and you go, there's got to be a different way, you know? Just because I'm, you know, 60 years old doesn't mean I'm supposed to bend over now. And just because I'm 60 years old doesn't mean, you know, I can't go to the bathroom 
like that. Or I have to wake up three times a night and go to the bathroom. Or just, you know, I only sleep three hours. You know, I have indigestion. I got constipation. That's just normal. My, my teeth fall out. You know, um, I get sick all the time. You know, my granddad and great-granddad, they ended up in a nursing home, so that's probably what's going to happen to me. All my relatives have Alzheimer's, you know, and arthritis. That's just normal. You know, it's baloney. It's bull. You know, I've got 83-year-olds. i got a 96-year-old who still rides forces. You're in practice, man? Yeah. And you go, well, what's up with that? Right. <laughs> you know, um, so, but those people are willing to step outside and, and uh, it's not for everybody, because it, it is a little scary, you know, because it's easier to kind of go with the flow, stay in the little herd of sheep, you know, but, uh, you know, when you step out, you, you're now kind of vulnerable, and wolves can attack you, and, but, but now there's a whole world out there, and, and I believe that people can be healthy and productive and keep their, their smarts and still contribute, you know, well into their elder years and uh, I think that you know our society has gotten to the place where it's like we don't respect little kids and we don't respect elders you know except when you become an elder you're like hey where's my respect and you're like no one's gonna listen to you now you're you're old you, you should die and just leave the world to us who can run it except the older folks are the ones who you know went to war and they saw their friends, you know, get killed, and they fought for country, and they 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 were aligned themselves with something bigger than themselves, and and um, you know it's a beautiful thing, and they have so much to share with us if we just ask them, you know. And little kids are amazing. I learned so much when they come in the office. It's like you know they they find something. Of, Look how exciting that is, you know. We look at it and go, well, that's just a crayon, kid. You know, what's wrong with you? Yeah, but it's blue. Have you seen a blue crayon before? You know, and they go on the wall with it. And you, and you go, the wall. Right. And you go, you know, you're not supposed to do that. It's like, hey, that's really cool. Maybe we'll paint that wall blue. You know, um, we can learn so much from the little kids, and we can learn so much from, from the elders. Um, but, you know, so we, we've lost that. And, and I, so I try to stay excited and, uh, you know, learn something every single day and, and don't be lulled into just to being a sheep, you know. You know one day, you know, I'm going to be in a nursing home. One day I'm not going to know my name, you know, because that's what's happened to all my relatives. Uh, and it might happen to me, but I'm doing everything possible. Go in the other direction, you know. I, I don't drink like they used to. I don't smoke like they did. You know, I try to exercise. Uh, you know, eat right, take my vitamins, and most of all, try to think positive every day, you know. Um, when I, something bad comes my way, instead of going, oh, it's so bad, and this sucks, and, you know, oh, we just, it just go, what am I going to learn from this? Matter of fact, like a year from now, I'm going to be happy I had this happen to me, because I wouldn't learn this thing hadn't I gone through this. So this is a good thing. And it might seem like, you know, gosh, he's whacked out, but, you know, I learned so much from my mistakes and the things, you know, that, that happened. I mean, I'm sure you have too. You know, we can only really learn from our mistakes. You know, it, it, somebody once said, they said that, you know, we're all going to make mistakes, but they don't have to be our own. And so one of the reasons why I read so much and I learn so much is because sometimes we get in this, this idea that, 
um, well, we're just gonna we're gonna have mistakes and then we're gonna learn from them. And in the modern society, we actually have access to resources that you know. At least when I was growing up, when you were growing up, we didn't have these things. And so, with you know, now we have a question and we ask Google, right? We ask Google what what the answer is. Well, you know, whether it's helping us to exercise better or what it, what are they saying about sleep and the in, and the importance of sleep and the effect on our hormones and the effect on our biochemistry internally. One of the things that I, um, kind of going back to what you were saying about kids before, that one of the things that I, I see as, as a, a, a possible future or, or something that is really important to me is to really to teach kids how to take care of their body from a very young age. And I feel like a lot of us are kind of swept up into our lives and we're not really taught how to take care of ourselves. There's no instruction manual. It's almost like being a parent, right? You know, there's no instruction manual. You, you or marriage. You just, or marriage, right? You just wing it and you, and you figure it out. Well, I believe that with health and with aging, there are rules, there are guidelines, there are principles that we can follow to actually improve the quality of our lives. And so with kids, you know, certainly one of the things that I talk about is about posture, you know, like, you know, in terms of sitting up and, you know, these kids, they're in, you know, really, you know, lousy desks and they're slouching over and they're now looking down at their phones and, you know, what, what do you see as, what can we do about that? Uh, I'll sound like a broken record. We, we got to get uh, people and the children to wake up that we're, we're just running around running subconscious programs and not becoming conscious enough, like living in the moment. And, uh, you know, uh, you steal quotes from people I do all the time too, and I, I don't know who said this, but youth hides a multitude of sins. And it's so true, you know. You can eat Twinkies and Doritos, go to bed, get up the next morning and do it again, you know. But when you do that when you're 50, you're like, Oh, I feel terrible. You know, my throat's sore now, my joints are swollen. So it hides a multitude of sins when you're younger, but it catches up with you. So I like what you're saying, you know, that you teach the kids how to have posture now. Because when they're 60, they're going to be like trying to regain their posture. It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So developing those habits early. And, and, and I think we're, we're swimming upstream against this because, you know, um, it's not a real popular message. Youth don't want to hear it because I'm fine. You know, I stayed up, you know, three days in a row. I'm okay. I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, okay, you can do it now, kid, but you don't know that you just dumped a whole bunch of cortisol in your system. Your adrenal glands just got whacked out. Your, your lining of your stomach is not producing the digestive enzymes that you you sh should be doing, so you're not absorbing the proper nutrients. So you just didn't build better bones. Now all of a sudden your bones are becoming weaker. Your muscle contractions aren't as good. Your, your thought processes are down. So now your hormone system's off. And uh, they're like, well, I don't feel it. Like, okay. You, know, um, you will. <laughs> you will feel it. And, you know, treating dentists has been fun over the years, you know, because I like to ask questions. Like, why do I have to come in every six months for a checkup? And they said, do you, do you know that a cavity doesn't hurt for six months? And I went, oh. So they can find a cavity in your tooth before it hurts, 
and then you can do a little scrape and seal versus when it hurts, now it's gotten in there deep and they got a drill and, and now the, the tooth is forever compromised. They put a filling in there and eventually when you get older, it's going to crack. But if you catch it you, when you're young enough, so going in before it hurts, you can save your tooth. You know, we should be seeing children before they've got bad posture. We need to see the children before it starts to hurt, before they have a sprained ankle out on the basketball court. Well, they sprained it because they're, they're, they're uneven. And now they're putting an unnecessary amount of weight on their right foot, and so they go to pivot, and the right foot sprains. And they go, well, it's just because of that. No, they were, uh, you know, a hand grenade waiting for somebody to pull the pin. The pin got pulled, and it's like, oh, it's just a sprain. No, they were out of balance before the sprain, and now it just knocked them out of their season playing sports. We should be seeing the kids from birth right away as their spines are growing, checking their joint. And I just say spines. I mean, chiropractors, you know, we work on every joint. You know, we work on the toes, on the ankles, the knees, the hips, the shoulders, the back of the skull. All the bones in the skull actually move. You know, so the jaw, the number one disability in the country is lower back pain. You know what number two is? I think respiratory issues is what I heard. Uh, musculoskeletal, which is just musculoskeletal is back pain. Okay. The number two musculoskeletal disability? Yes. TMJ dysfunction. Interesting. And you, you know, when you sprain an ankle, you're going to walk on that ankle funny which is going to drop the knee, rotate it in, pelvis adjusts to that, spine starts to tilt, or your brain goes, well, I don't want to walk around tilted. So now the shoulders tilt. So now the torquing gets out here, and now the jaw goes off, all from a sprained ankle. So why are chiropractors not seeing babies all the way up before the cavity starts to hurt? You know? Parents need to wake up and, you know, stop this whole bleh about, you know, well, you only take your kid to the chiropractor has been in a car accident. No. Well, little kids don't have pain, right? Very rarely. I'm okay a kid falls down on the sidewalk and they skin their knee and, right. okay, it's going to be okay and we cover it up with a band-aid or whatever the case is. But the fact is that, you know, maybe many years, the first time I ever had real pain in my life, I was in my mid-30s. I was 36, and um, I was doing triathlons at that particular time, and without getting into too much detail, I was, I was nutritionally deficient. I was not actually fueling my body well, and so my joints had become a little bit loose and lax, and they became weak, and I kept injuring myself. And, and so I think that in the course of our lives, we do things, and we don't realize there's unintended consequences to, to those things. Um, but like even the habits when we grow up, like I grew up like anybody else. I went to fast food restaurants. I, you know, I was, I was asthmatic kid and I had uh, seasonal allergies and I was on inhalers and, you know, getting shots of adrenaline in the middle of the night because I couldn't breathe. And, you know, this is a common story for, you know, for kids. And I, I'm finding even an increase in the incidence of, uh, allergic reactions, whether it's to the environment, it's to food, um, it's to sensitivities, to light, to sound. There's all sorts of things happening in our society. But you, you had shared something with me about 
um, about fast food that you had gone, I think, to McDonald's was like 15 years ago. <laughs> it's going to be 15 years this maybe, January. Maybe share that story about uh, about that. I, I actually <laughs> brought it with me. This has traveled, I don't know if it, the camera can actually see this. Uh, I think it can from here. Yeah, it can. We can zoom in on it. Okay. So, 2004, and on the bottom of the container, you know, I've got it circled when I do my PowerPoint nutrition class. I show people it actually says it typed in like 2004. So, you know, this this burger, you know, is going to be it's two months shy of 15 years old, and the the, the bun is starting to fall apart, but there's not a drop of mold, nothing on this. This looks like you could eat it today. Except don't do it. You smell it. <laughs> you you know it's it's rancid. But uh, the first month that I got this, I put it on my garage floor, just set it on the floor, and 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 also the French fries. Um, the the package is not going to make it much longer. But you know these, and I don't want to pick on poor McDonald's, but um, I think McDonald's deserves to be picked on a little bit. But. You know, and because of swimming, you know, they actually sponsored me to go to Russia. So I've got oh, McDonald's. Food? I've got USA swim jackets <laughs> with McDonald's emblem on them, and here I am, you know, trashing them because um, they do a lot of good stuff in the world. But they also do. This is not food, okay? You know, they call it fast food, but it's it's wrong. It, it's fast junk, fast, fast. You know, bad health, fast disease. That's fast, what it is. Highly processed, highly. I mean, something. Yeah. If, if ants won't eat this, you know, in my garage, you know, I've left it on my picnic table, waiting for something to land on it and take it. They won't. Um, and, and so I've never, like, done anything to it except expose it to the elements. And so if I put this in my body, what, what is it doing to me? You know, and you and I talked in great detail last night about stress. You know, National Institute of Health. NIH says 90% of all illness can be attributed to stress. So this is stressful. And our body goes, I'm already living in a stressful world. I mean, just turn the TV on, you know, politics, religion, you know, economy, and, you know, all the diseases that are facing us and the addictions, the opioid crisis, you know, and now I'm putting this in my stomach to try to nourish my body and it's stressing me out. So you're... This, what you're doing with this podcast is amazing. I hope that people are watching this and they're going to wake up and, and just go, well, I'll get to it. Well, I'll get to it. Today's the day to get to it. Mm -hmm. Take responsibility and start every time. This is your one and only body. You know, people who are 96 years old still riding horses and fly fishing and being able to drive and, and have intelligent conversations, no memory issues. They're, you know, have great posture. They exercise. They sleep good. They make sure they can. They don't get constipated. They're eating, you know, fruits and vegetables, drinking water, you know. And sure, they'll have a glass of wine once in a while. Sure, they'll have a cupcake once in a while. But they're not doing it every day, you know. Those are re not rewards, but those are celebrations. Have fun, you know. But yours. You're not going to mix it up and go. Well, you know what? They made. They put milk in this cupcake. It's got calcium. You know, and it's, it, people rationalize like crazy. You know, like no, that's 
bad for you. Enjoy it, have fun, but tomorrow, get out of bed, work out, and eat healthy again, you know? Don't, don't just lull yourself in and just go, well, I didn't die. I had that cupcake and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get cancer today. Like, not today. Well, it's cumulative, right? So all of our habits and the things that we do, um, they, they, they accumulate in our body. And a lot of times, and you, you alluded to it before, you were speaking about how sometimes we don't have symptoms. And we were talking about this earlier about how, you know, I've, I've become very aware in my life that you can have literally no symptoms and still have problems on the inside of the body. And so part of what I'm trying to get people to do is to focus inward, that you can't actually tell from the outside whether a person's spine is actually correct. You actually need to get an x-ray on the inside of the body to be able to see what's going on. Just in the same way that if I get, um, if, if we send somebody out for blood work or urinalysis, you get a picture into what's going on in the inside of the body. But the way that things are being evaluated um, are not getting people healthier. And what I'm seeing, at least in my own practice, is that, you know, beginning to be able to maybe look at the scenario differently. Like if I looked at it versus, you know, you have, first of all, you could have 10 different chiropractors looking at an x-ray and they're going to see it differently. But there are certain um, principles that are important, like you said before, which is the kid sprains his ankle and his hips are not all level. And one of the things that, I've, that, I, that I talk about a lot is about this thing we call gravity, right? You know, we have this, this force on our body all the time, and yet we're not really taking it seriously. That's what I see. There's people, you know, I, I work in an office park, and there's 6,500 people that work there, and they sit all day long. And the science is saying that, that sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. And we've got to do something about this because it's starting when, kid, when kids are little. They're not sitting up. They're not paying attention to their posture. They're sitting in lousy desks and chairs. And then they get into, into middle school, high school, and college, and work, and it just continues on. And so there's some gaps in understanding between you know, first of all, we didn't learn it to begin with. We need to start to help people understand how to live healthier in their life and that the things that they that actually happened to them 10, 20, 30 years ago is going to show up now. And that with our health, we literally, it's like a bag, and we carry it with us. And we carry our injuries, and we carry other things with us so that we show up 30 years later, and this shoulder that I injured when I was 15 years old still gives me some trouble. And another quote that I'll steal from somebody, the, uh, the brain and the nervous system keeps a perfect scorecard of every single banana peel you've slipped on. You know, <laughs> you know when you're a kid again, youth hides a multitude of sins, you, know, you slip on that banana peel and then a day or two goes by, you shook it off, but you didn't shake it off. Something was left out of kilter, and it shows up when you're 40 years old, and you go, well, that feels similar to when I slipped on that banana peel when I was 12. You know, I'm 48 now. I didn't do anything. It never got corrected. And, and I think, you know, some, while you're talking, something popped in my head about, you know, waking up again, taking responsibility. We, we learn most stuff from our parents. 
you know, as we're kids growing up, you know, that that's our thing. You know, they're, they're our authority, they're our adults. We watch them. And what do parents do? And it's so, uh, I think, benign that we just kind of go, well, that's what we're supposed to do. Parents sacrifice everything for their kids, don't they? You know, if you were to tell a parent not to sacrifice for your kids, you'd go, well, that's not a good thing to do. Parents sacrifice for their kids. So what happens is, you know, do, do kids see their parents, you know, their health improving every year? You, you know, do they see their, their parents taking care of themselves, you know, um, to the point where, you know, you go, well, I want to be just like my mom and dad and emulate them and their health. Most Americans, you know, when they're taking care of their kids, they start to gain weight. They start taking sugar pills. They start taking blood pressure pills because their blood pressure goes up because of all the, the things they're ignoring because they're sacrificing taking care of kids. And then so their kids learn that. And what do they do when they become parents? They don't take care of themselves because they're too busy taking care of their kids. Right? So I, I have a poster here that we share when I'm doing classes. And this kind of depicts it. You know, it's like you want to be around for your kids when you're on an airplane and the, the oxygen gets cut off, and you're, you can't breathe. If you take care of your kid first, you're passed out on the ground and you're taking care of nobody. And your poor kid has its mask on and is crying. He's like, what happened to my dad? Where's my mom? Right? So this says, you know, take care of yourself first so you'll be around to take care of these guys. Put the mask on yourself first. It sounds selfish. But it's not. If you love your kids, if you love your family, you better eat right. You better take your supplements. You better be in control of thinking properly. Get your proper sleep. Drink fluids. Hang around other positive, like-minded people. Go after the world and make a difference. You need to do that so your kids can see you do that. And then they're going to want to be like that. But... If they see you, you know, well, mom and dad used to have a bunch of friends, but they don't do anything anymore because they're so busy just taking care of us, you know? So they don't hang around fun people anymore. They don't seem to do anything anymore, you know? And they gain weight. So what do they do? They don't feel good, so they turn the football game on, they get out the beer, and they get out the stuff, and they think that's fun. And then they end up with diabetes and cancer and, you know, respiratory problems, poor posture because they're sitting and watching the games and... It's going, well, that was fun, you know. We lived our whole life working our buns off, take care of our kids so we can watch the football game on the weekend. Wow! Right? Instead of, you know, you know, my kids get excited because of the three weeks out of the year, I go over to India and I go into the Himalaya Mountains where people have never even seen white people. And we go and... What do they say? <laughs> they, look, they, they look at you and they touch you. And, um, and some of them are afraid of you. And uh, it's great because they don't, need, they don't know what a chiropractor is. But, you know, somebody eventually with interpreters and stuff, someone's got a, you know, they can't turn their head and they come on over and you put your hand on them. And then you do a treatment and they turn and it's, it's incredible. You know, they'll bend over, they'll, they'll hold your hands and kiss your hands and say, thank you. Thank you, because they've had this for 12 years. And just with doing that and loving them on it, if I wasn't a success at home, I couldn't go for three weeks and do this. So, 
you know, it, I'm, I'm not sitting here working really hard so I can buy a new car or, you know, go to a football game. I, I work hard because I want to go into the world and make a difference. And then it makes me feel good when I come home and I tell my patients here that, you know, when I do an adjustment in India, they bend over and kiss my hands when I'm finished. How come you don't do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did chuckle. It's, it's funny. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, they can't do anything. They don't have any money. But they, they show you honor and respect. You know, here they pay money for it, and that's, that's good. But, um, you know, making a difference in the world is so much better than just, you know, trying to, you know, get the really big screen TV so you can watch the football game and drink beer and have nachos. You know, and I'm not saying I don't like doing that because I do. I have fun doing that. But that's fun. That's not what drives me to get out of bed in the morning. You know, driving me to get out of bed in the morning is to, you know, make enough money so I can, you know, close the office for a few weeks and go to India or go somewhere and, you know, help, you know, girls who have been raped over there and thrown out into the streets, help them buy a, a sewing machine for $75, set them up in a business where they, you know, now they can survive on their own. $75 to them might be four years collecting money, you know. And we can go over there and write a check for 75 bucks and think nothing of it, you know, and you just save a girl's life. And it's, uh, yeah, it's I'm sure it's, Yeah, I'm sure it's a life changer. Yeah. Wow. So, so I know like in your, you've been in practice now for 30 years? It's going to be, let's see, 90, 28 years right now. 28 years. So what are some things that you've seen in your practice? Because, you know, I think part of, the, at least from a chiropractic standpoint, people don't really understand what chiropractic is. Yeah. You know, they understand maybe their friend went or I have a back or a neck pain and, and maybe I should go to the chiropractor. And it used to be that people, you know, would say, you go to a chiropractor? And now they go, you go to a chiropractor? Right. right? So I think the attitude is changing. And, um, you know, I'm... I think that, you know, people really should know about it, you know, whether they participate or not, they should really know about it because it's amazing. Chiropractic is amazing. Um, so obviously chiropractic has had an incredible impact on, on your life, but in the course of your 28 years in practice, um, what are some of the things that you've seen outside of back pain, neck pain, headaches, you know, those are things that typically people think about when they go to chiropractors. And so talk with, maybe talk a little bit about that. And then I know you brought a couple of pictures of some before and after uh, issues with patients that maybe you'll share that as well. Okay. Well, yeah, starting out, well, when I started out in chiropractic, you know, I had such a great response, you know. I mean, I was in pain. I left feeling amazing. And so, you know, I attributed... Well, you feel bad going in, and you leave the chiropractor, and you feel good coming out. So it must be a pain management type thing. And however, chiropractors are wonderful at that. You know, there's no side effects to it. You know, you're not having to worry about ruining your liver or your kidneys, and you know, messing up your brain function with some poison in your system. So it's a natural, you know, pain relieving treatment. But like you know, I'm preaching the choir. I mean. It does so much more than that. And, you know, so I think over the years, I think the public has been exposed more and more to chiropractic that 
people go in for migraine headache, but they say when that went away and my neck was moving better, I eat pasta and tomato sauce and I don't get indigestion anymore. Uh, you know, is that that weird? You know, and you go, no, because those same nerves innervate your stomach. And now, you know, your digestive system, because your neck is moving better, you don't have that headache anymore. And, you know, your shoulder's moving better, but your digestive system's working better. So stay in chiropractic care for health, not just, you know, oh, I got a boo-boo. So um, when, when I go around the country and, and I've been fortunate enough to now that I've got a lot of gray hair, that I've been invited to state conventions and to be able to be a speaker to talk about the effects of um, stress on the brain and, you know, when that happens, it affects the hormone system, digestive system, cardiovascular system, immune system. And so doctors sign up for this 12-hour class. And uh, I always go in there and right away, you know, of course, they're all chiropractors. And, and I, I ask them, I go, okay, so, you know, I'm a, pretend I'm a non-chiropractor. So uh, what is chiropractic care? And the room goes deadly silent. <laughs> Because they, they don't know what to say, you know. And then eventually someone will say, you know, uh, we adjust the spine and help with pain. Okay, you know, that's true. We do do that. You know, anything else? Uh, we restore health, you know. Like, how do you do that, you know? So I pick on them a little bit. But I'm like, you know what? If you chiropractors don't know what the heck you're doing, how can you explain in a very clear you know, explanation to the public what you do, because they don't know. If you don't know, they they surely don't know. So, um, and I was two days ago. I was on TV lo locally, and the the person interviewing asked me, "So, what do chiropractors do?" And so I spun it right back around to her, and I said, "Have you ever been to a chiropractor?" She goes, "Oh yeah, man. What they do?" She says, "Well, they, you know, you know this, and it cracked, and I felt better." And I'm like, that's pretty much what everybody thinks. And I said, would you be surprised that chiropractors are nervous system specialists where we remove interference to the brain and nervous system? And she goes, wow, I didn't know that. that that's what we do. We remove interference to the brain. And we do use adjustments to do that. And that takes a lot to explain, but it would be kind of like going to a surgeon and saying, okay, surgeon, you know, like my best friend's a liver surgeon, you know, and, and say, you know, okay, uh, Dr. Mark, you know, what does a liver surgeon specialize in? Well, I specialize in scalpel. <laughs> and that's what chiropractors do. I specialize in adjustments. That's the scalpel. That's not what you do. That's your tool, you know? And so the public... You know, it sounds ridiculous when you say, oh, you're a surgeon, so you specialize in scalpel, sir. You know, is that what you do? You just scalpel. Like, no. You know, he might go in there and make adjustments to the bile duct and, you know, tie off this and, you know, whatever. Whatever he does, you know, increase the circulation to the liver or he might have to remove part of the liver. But that, that's what he does. You know, he's a liver surgeon. He's not a scalpel expert. We're not an adjustment expert. You know, we remove interference to the brain. It's probably the most viable and most awesome and huge responsibility as a doctor that's totally overlooked. And, 
you know, it's up to the up to us and this podcast, all the other chiropractors out there, and really MDs, everybody. We need to get on board and just go. Well, this is what we do. You know, whether you believe it or like it or don't like it or whatever, it's what we do. I mean, I, personally, I don't really like you know having my knee surgery, you know, done. But sometimes it might have to be done. You don't have to like it. You know, you can even say the surgeon was a jerk. It doesn't matter, you know, you needed that procedure. Maybe a good surgeon. Right. Right. You know, you might be a horrible person, but, you know, and so uh, it's, it's uh, oh, I, I had this uh, happen. A patient came in and had migraine headaches after uh, for about 15 years. And it was one of those ones that got like two or three migraines a week. And not like what people just say, I have a migraine because it's a bad headache. This is a migraine, you know, the eye piercing, pain can't think, visual stuff, have to go in a dark room, sleep it off. That's a migraine, throwing up. Um, three, three times a week for 15 years. And I said, when did they start? And the patient said, well, I had some tooth problems. And I went to the dentist, and the dentist was fixing everything. And I was in the chair with my mouth open, this and that, and it was shortly after that I started getting migraines. I think the dentist caused my migraines. And I said, well, it kind of sounds like, you know, doing all the stuff might have affected that. Tooth problems were on the right side, jaw was on the right side, migraines on the right side. Kind of makes sense. And I said, did you stop believing in dentists? She said, no. And I said, did you get your teeth fixed? Yeah. And do you still go get dental checkups? Yeah. You still brush your teeth? Yeah. Even after that horrible experience. You mean you didn't give up on dentistry after that and just go, I don't believe in them. I'll never go to another dentist ever again. She goes, no. She goes, I did go to a different dentist. And I said, why don't people do that with chiropractors? You heard it. You heard it all the time. Yeah, I went one time. It made me worse. So I'm done with that. Okay. Well, then don't ever go back to your hairstylist who goofed up on your hair. You know, a mechanic who goofs up on your oil change and breaks something. Give up on them too. You know, this get, take that attitude. You know, I went to the gym one time and I didn't get in shape. Double that. You know, it's so crazy how people, for some reason, think that you know, well, that one chiropractor didn't solve all my world problems in one visit, or made me sore, or whatever. Chiropractic is horrible. No, you went to a bad chiropractor. You know, or maybe they were a good chiropractor and your body responded horribly because, you know, you're a couch potato and you didn't take good care of yourself. I don't know, you know, but the fact is, is that you, you don't just give up, you, you know, go back to Walt Disney, never give up, never quit, you know. But you asked me about the picture, I'll tell you the story, um, and I should cover it up so you don't see the whole story at one time. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'd be able to zoom in on this. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this lady here showed up with uh, back pains, migraine headaches, back, you know, you know, neck pain. Miserable. She was one of those patients that, you know, uh, when, when they come in and start talking to you, you, you go, so, so what are you here for? Well, you're the doctor I hear came and found out. And I go, okay, you're going to be one of those, you know. So, how long has this been going on? Does that really matter? I have it today. Like, wow. You know? And so we went through all the stuff and did the whole exam. And when I was finished, I said, yeah, you've got some problems. 
problems that I specialize in, I can fix those and help you with them and teach you how to take care of yourself. But you got more problems about your health than you do just your neck and your back, right? She goes, yeah. I said, do you want help with those things? And she goes, you're talking about my weight? She's like, yeah, well, not really. She asked her why. She goes, well, I, I lose weight and uh, I, I, I gain weight and go up and down. And I said, well, if we can help. Would you be interested? She goes, well, if you can help, I'd be interested. Well, um, you know, long story short, she had been trying to get pregnant for 15 years. So she was labeled, you know, infertile. Um, you know, her and her husband really wanted a baby. And, you know, when a woman is, is stressed, you're not going to get pregnant. You know, the brain, when it senses stress, it's going to uh, go into survival mode. And so cholesterol goes up. Heart, you know, rate goes up. Blood pressure goes up. Immune system goes down. Reproduction goes down. Digestion goes down. So that's what stress does. So I'm looking at her going, she's stressed. And we do a brain analysis where we analyze real-time brainwave activity. We can see stress patterns. And we basically say, you know, well, we can, we can help with those. What is the technology that you use to scan her brain? Uh, well, we've got some newer technology, but you know what we're using now is is an alpha technology. It's, it's technology out of uh, Russia, and it's it's a very complicated system, but it's fascinating. It literally takes the electromagnetic frequencies from the brain to the heart, basically like an EKG, and it separates the electrical impulses so you can see the delta waves, beta waves the alpha waves, the SMR waves, all the different brain waves, and you can see, you know, all those different brain waves do different things. You know, some of them are uh, help to produce good sleep. Some produce digestion. Some produce get up and go. You know, um, with people who are gaining weight or having trouble, their get up and go is gone, and their sleep mode is on all the time. So they're going to gain weight all the time. It makes it really difficult because, it, like, I'm, I'm exercising, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm not budging the scale at all. It's because their brain's saying, no, you're not going to lose weight because I'm in survival mode. There's stress going on. No pregnancy, you're going to be sick all the time, and your blood pressure's going to go up. That's what stress does. So, so what happened with her here? Well, and you can see the process. She was almost 300 pounds here and down to about 140 Wow. And, you know, this picture was taken about six years ago. She's... What was the time frame between This is about a year. Okay. So, a little over 100 pounds in a year. Very hard work. A lot of crying. A lot of laughing. A lot of re redirecting. But it was her goal. And so, all we did was we helped her achieve her goal. And a lot of hugs. A lot of, you know, encouragement. And, but... Um, you can see the baby. So when she was like this, her body was not only looking better, but her brain wasn't as stressed. Her brain said, okay, you can get pregnant now. And she actually has two babies. So, you know, it's it, it's, this is, this is chiropractic. Okay. And, you know, we could have just taken care of her back and neck pain stuff. 
and we didn't do a weight loss program. We just we actually helped her transform her stress into something that was positive and not getting too deep in her story, but she was molested by uh, an older brother for about five years and she that stressed her out and she had other things that she did in her life as a response to that she was not very happy about um, and you know it just bogged her down so she remained in stress mode all the time blood pressures up headaches are up you know heart rates up cholesterol's up you know not going to sleep very good, digestion is going to be off, infertility is going to be a, a byproduct of that. So not dealing with that. And when we talked, because we get to see, chiropractors are great, we get to put our hands on patients, we get to get to know them, they get to know us. We, I knew what her goals were, I knew where she had been. The other staff members got to talk to her, she got to talk to her. And we're not a psychology place, but just getting that out there was was relieving for her and now she can go into churches and talk to women who have been abused like that and she's a role model you know she that's amazing she can take what was bad like I got cut from the swim team and became an Olympian what was bad was really good I'm not saying that being molested is good but she took that and now using it for good. Because there's a lot of women out there um, that, are, that are having, I mean, girls that go to college, one in four are going to be raped. That's the stat. So there's a fertile ground out there for, you know, what are you going to do with that stress? Can't undo it. Are you going to live the rest of your life in stress mode and get sick? Or are you going to deal with it? Let it go. You know, she decided to let it go. And um, it's pretty awesome to be part of that. Wow, that's wow. There was there was something you had shown me a picture earlier about um, uh, a woman. She was all hunched over, and so maybe show that one too. Yeah, I'm kind of show you two here. So here two. Now this looks like a before and after. Okay, now, so I'm not going to lie to everybody and go, wow, look how awesome they are. These two ladies are both 83 years old. Wow. Okay, 83 years old, Walker, nursing home, 17 medications for being able to go to the bathroom, being able to, uh, you know, get rid of some pain, you know, breathing medications, heart medications. When when somebody is in this posture, uh, immediately just go, oh my goodness, what has happened to you in your life? Because what does a turtle do when a turtle is stressed out? It takes its head into its body. Right. So this is a turtle posture. She is saying to the world, ah, it's not safe. It's not safe. Uh, uh, you know, I've got to get into my shell. So, not surprising, but she, you know, had had, I think, two marriages, both two alcoholics. Well, I think one of them went to jail. And, you know, young in that, and she was like, no, my world is not safe for me. A husband who's supposed to love me and take care of me is abusing me and abusing alcohol. And it's like, if that, then my husband is supposed to be like, what's the rest of the world going to be like? So, she just went into her shell. Okay, this lady over here, 
She came in because she pulled a hamstring in a yoga class at 83 and was irritated, like, I gotta get back out to my yoga class. And, you know, surprisingly enough, her father and grandfather were chiropractors. Look at this beautiful posture. No medication, taking vitamin supplements, and going to yoga class at 83. That's the difference. Dealing with the stress every single day of your whole life, getting your spine adjusted so, remember chiropractors, remove interference from the brain. So her brain is working really well, so that means her heart's working well, her thyroid's working well, her you know, lungs are working well, her reproductive system's working well, her colon's working, her bladder's working well, and she gets to put energy into yoga and other activities and she's got a sound mind, and she, you know she's happy. Can you imagine that she's grumpy? You know, um, and so, so that that again is just you know wasn't showing before and after. Just going, which one do you want to be? You want to be an 83 year old, you know, on medications and needing a walker and all like this, or do you want to be upright, healthy, going to yoga class, you know, enjoying yourself? And it all comes down to how you deal with your stress. And you look scary. It, <laughs> when you see this, even though it's not in front of you, but can you imagine seeing this up close in person? No. <laughs> and, and when I do this in state conventions, I always ask the doctors, I go, okay, you guys are doctors. Tell me what the body goes through. And, and uh, I mean, it's you, making my heart rate up. <laughs> just looking at it. Right. Yeah. So heart rate goes up. You know, you, you begin to... Um, have your respiration increase and your cholesterol levels go up and I asked the doctors why would cholesterol level go up when you're facing a bear and they come up with wonderful answers and I'm a very common-sense guy well your brain already knows if you get attacked by this with these these fangs and those claws you're gonna bleed and and if you get cut right here you're gonna bleed out fast you're gonna die so the brain goes Dump cholesterol in because cholesterol is sticky. You know, I've seen uh, people in emergency rooms who have been mauled by bears that are a goopy mess, and you go, I don't know how they lived. It's because their cholesterol dumped in their system to make their blood goopy so they wouldn't leak out. So your brain is amazing. So when you see a bear, you want that to happen. And you need all the energy in the world to so you can run. So, so what it does is shuts off different departments that you don't need at this time. You don't need reproduction when you're facing a bear, right? You don't need to digest the, the Big Mac you ate at lunchtime that's causing stress. You don't need to digest that because it's time to run, right? You're not going to go to the bathroom. You can have a full bladder and you see a bear and you automatically forget, I don't have to go to the bathroom, you know? Um, and your immune system, it's not time to fight a strep infection or an ear infection because you're stressed. So when you're stressed like that, digestion turns off, reproduction turns off, your immune system turns off. You don't need to be expending any energy. You gotta run away from the bear. And your cholesterol goes way up in case you get cut so you can repair. Cholesterol is good. Folks, cholesterol is good. And what are the doctors doing? They're trying to lower the cholesterol. Yeah. So people come into our office and they're like, Oh, I got a good report today. What do you mean? Well, my cholesterol level's actually a little low. My doctor's really happy. I'm like, okay, are you healthy? 
he says I'm healthy, but I'm losing my hair. When I brush my teeth, my gums are, are bleeding. My dentist says I have loose teeth. I, I get up in the morning and I'm out of breath. I got pain going down my leg. My liver enzymes are off and my, my doctor's concerned about all that stuff, but he's gonna give me some prescriptions for those. And you go, the problem is, is that we artificially lowered cholesterol and we didn't get rid of the stress. See, here's the point that I want everybody to understand. And I have to understand this myself every day is the brain doesn't know the difference between a real stress or an imagined stress. That's why when you have a dream, whether the bear isn't really in front of you and getting ready, your, your heart rate goes up, blood pressure goes up, and you dump cholesterol and you turn off those other systems because it's necessary, the bear's there. But you're having a dream and you're faced with a bear in your dream and your body increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, turned off immune system, turned off digestion, turned off reproduction, dumped cholesterol in your system, and it was a dream. Just a dream. It wasn't real. And so today, we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die because I don't have enough money in my checkbook. Or I will just, I'll go into a hole and go into a coma if my kids come home with another F on their report card. Your brain goes, there's a bear in the room. And it's, there, it's, it might be all fake, but your brain doesn't know. So you're constantly, constantly increasing your heart rate, increasing blood pressure. It's why everybody's on blood pressure pills. It's why everybody's on cholesterol pills. It's why people can't get pregnant. It's why they're constipated. It's why Nexium and the purple pill is selling billions of dollars because everybody in, has indigestion. Their digestive system's off. And it's all due to, National Institute of Health says, 90% of all illness can be traced back and attributed to stress. Doctors, chiropractors, MDs, DOs, acupuncturists, massage therapists, physical therapists, anybody, counselors, we all need to be treating people to handle and adapt to stress. Take care of 90% of illness. So, and do you think that people can handle this, their, their stress on themselves or do you really feel like they need help from other people? I think because we're we're all dumb sheep at the moment, we need help. <laughs> we really need help. You know, I mean, you can't give a two-year-old, uh, you know, a full-fledged army tank, and say you're safe, kid. You know, someone's got to train them how to use it. They they got to you know mature, grow up, grow into it. So somebody who already knows how to drive that tank needs to take that two-year-old and, and and help. Okay, so I think. Some of us who are trained need to be able to come alongside people and, and help them. And I'm a big believer in, instead of just giving a person a fish, I want to teach a person how to fish. Because, you know, you don't want, you don't want to have 2,000 people relying on you every day of their life. What do I do next, Doc? What do I do next? You know, so we, doctor means teacher. So... How can we teach? Well, we can't be not doing the things that we teach about. We've got to lead the way. So we've got to be good examples to our spouses, to our children, to our staff, to our patients. So we've got to take care of ourselves first, put the air mask on us so that we can put the air mask on somebody else. So, uh, you know, I would say we all need help. And, and you know. I, mean, I know you're asking that question, but... 
you don't well, do this all well, by I yourself. Think that, I think that a lot of people try, they think that they can do it by themselves. Yeah. You know, that, and, and it's really, really hard. And, you know, I think that for, uh, for many years, I tried to do it by myself. And I realized that I actually needed help. And because part of it was when I was growing up and I had help, but I didn't feel like it was helping. And so sometimes it's finding the right help. And then coming up, because there's, I believe that there's stuff that people need to do for themselves, and then there are things that people need help with, just like you go to a dentist, right? You can't see in your mouth the way that a dentist could see in your mouth, just in the same way that, you know, you can't see your spine like a chiropractor sees your spine, or you can't exercise uh, by yourself as well as you could with a trainer. doesn't mean you can't exercise by yourself, but it means that you can get an added benefit by having somebody who's actually able to observe you or a coach when you're swimming and they're telling you, yeah, you need to get your arm out of the water just a little bit more, keep your head down, kick a little bit faster, whatever it is that they're telling you, that to be able to get guidance from other people and not feel like we have to do it on our own. Yeah. And, and you know, you can do a certain amount of stuff on your own, but again, stealing this from somebody else that's much smarter than I am, I don't know where this came from, but apparently if you put a, you know, yoke on an ox, it can by itself pull about 2,000 pounds, which that's a ton, okay? And not making fun of that, that's a literal ton, right? One ox, pretty good. But now you yoke two ox together, and you would think 2,000 plus 2,000 is 4,000, right? So two ox together could put, pull 4,000 pounds or two tons, but it doesn't work that way. It's somewhere between eight and 11,000 pounds. Wow. So you take two together, and if, if they can pull 8,000, when it, it's double, and yet that doesn't add up math-wise. So, you know, and if it's actually 11,000 pounds, you go, that's absurd, you know, you, you know, but that's what happens when you partner up with a good doctor and good friends and good family, you think that you can go this distance, but you actually can go that distance. So, you know, it's not only necessary, it's practical, and it's just how it works. You know, math in the realm of energy, it's not like two plus two equals four, it's like two plus two equals a billion. You know, um, that it becomes limitless possibilities. And it makes it more fun. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to make the Olympic team if I just trained by myself with my coach. I've been a good swimmer. But, you know, the guys challenged me. And I did so many more things that I didn't think I could do. You know, after going out of a workout and going home and going, I can't believe I just did that workout. It's absurd. Never done that before. But my teammates helped me do that. They challenged me. We all made each other better than we thought we were going to be. And, and I had the privilege of, we were freshmen at the University of Florida. It was about nine of us. And we thought, hey, well, we can win NCAAs. And everybody was like, you guys are freshmen. That ain't going to happen. We were like, why not? <laughs> and we won NCAAs our freshman year and our sophomore year. And with, with young, because we believed. And we weren't going to take no for an answer. And we encourage each other and pushed each other. And, and it is fun, you know, to go, wow, we did that and everybody said we couldn't, you know. Um, 
That's so it's not only practical. I think it's it's necessary. You know, if you really want to turn your health around, you you need a doctor who knows what to do and has a staff that knows what to do, and who can encourage through those those hard times. You know, when you win an NCAA championship, it wasn't easy. There was injuries. There was set, illness, setbacks. There was, I can't go to workout because I've got a paper due, you know, or I got to get up early and go to workout before, you know, go at four o'clock in the morning because I got to get to school. I mean, it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, sacrifice. But in the end, I've got an NCAA ring that's been given to me that no one can ever take away from me. And it's like, it's really neat, you know. Um, sacrifice for something, and, and no one can ever take that away. Wow, this has been amazing. Maybe some parting words. Something that you know. What What's one thing that you could tell the audience about? Um, just any anything. One idea that you think can help them in their lives. I, I think if people were to believe that there's a power greater in themselves that can really be available to them to, to change every and anything about themselves that they, they don't like or they want in life, you've got to believe in that. And I've had patients who come in and they're, just bummed out, you know, you know, I'll tell you a quick story, you know, patient whose um, husband had an affair, who, you know, they've got little kids at home, who says, I'm done, leaves. Same day this lady loses her job. Same day, you know, her kid breaks her, breaks his, you know, uh, ankle playing in the playground. You know, husband leaves, she loses her job, kid breaks in the university room. She's coming in, do you think she has headaches? And it's, you know, just, I put my hand on her shoulder and said, how was today? She was like, oh my gosh. I'd like to do this over again. And you go, you know, I don't got answers for any of that. Can I hug you? And she needed a hug. So that's a power greater than me. I, I got nothing for her, but, but I can hug her and I can say, I'm sorry. And then we said, you know what? We got to find something that's good going on. And she goes, there's nothing. And I said, do you know what? When you just said that, you just made your heart beat 10 times. Did you know you did that? She's like, well, I do it all the time. I'm like, yeah, your heart's beating. And you know, you got some funny cells that you breathed in when you were at the last place that you went through that were actually going to make you sick in your immune system, your brain was aware of that and sent out some white cells and you just ate some, you know, bacteria and got rid of it. And you just detoxified your system just a little bit more. You're doing all these unbelievable miracles right now while you're sitting here. Matter of fact, I'm amazed at how awesome you are. I can't believe it. Like you did all that stuff and your husband left you. You got a busted, you know, ankle and, and you just lost your job, and yet you're sitting here doing all these amazing miracles. You are awesome. And she was like, I am pretty good, aren't I? You know? I just think that if 
if people will just go, you know, there's so much that goes on in my body right now that is amazing. And, and I actually can control it. If we are dumb sheep, we're just going to let those programs go. But, but if, if, if we can come awake and start thinking about, you know, I am going to start exercising. I am going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, and put these things in practice. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be kind of sucky at first. I might not be very good at it at first. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And the difference between winning in this and losing in this is never quitting. But you got to believe that you've got something really cool inside you because you're breathing. You're making new cells. Your tissues in three months in your liver are going to be completely new cells that you have from today. You're going to have completely new bones in one year. You're going to continue to make hair. Well, most of us. <laughs> right? You know, it's like we got to be mesmerized. we got to be like little children and go, it's a crayon. It's blue. Wow. You know? And just go, I just made a new blood cell. I don't even know where it is, but I just made one. You know? It's, you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, and, and I think we can have fun and laugh. Because your immune system works about 40% better when you're laughing. And it works 40% worse when you're frowning or depressed. So I want a healthy immune system. Yeah. Right? Because I, I don't know when the bugs get in here. But my, my immune system and my brain's aware of it. Oop, some bugs just came in. I better be laughing all the time so it's working 40% better. There you go. There you go. Wow. Dr. Pat, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation. You know, I've, known, I've known you now for you know, 25 years now. And you know, it's, to me, it's like we just picked up where we left off. Do you remember when you came to my office when you weren't a chiropractor? I do. And you did a little demonstration on breaking boards? Yes. My daughter, she, she, I said, uh, I got you know, Dr. Wolf is coming into town. And you probably don't remember him because, well, he was around before you were born. But, um, you know, uh, he was into martial arts and, you know, he was into, you know, brain control and all this stuff. And he was way ahead of his time. She goes, was he the guy that did the break, breaking the boards? I said, yeah. She goes, you've told our story so many times. And, and I, I remember there was 22 of my patients aging from the youngest was 21 and the oldest was 63-year-old woman. And you told me, I'm going to teach every one of them to break a pine. It was pine, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was that thick. Pine boards. You said, I'm going to bring them, and I'm going to teach them that they can each break a board. And they go, 63-year-old lady? You go, no problem. I'm going to teach them. And I said, what's the point? You said, the point is that you can do so much more than what you think you can. And if you perceive that this is the end, you're going to stop. But if you perceive that the end is over here, you're going to go right through it. And I want your patients to believe that you might have this illness right here, this barrier, but you're going to go through it. And I said, I like that. And every single person broke the board, except the 21-year-old guy. Except the one, and he was a, he the was a <laughs> And he, 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 afterwards you said, now, what happened? And he said, I pictured the board and I pictured stopping at it. 
He was the only one. And then you worked with him for about five minutes, and he went through it like butter. And and uh, I've told that story so many times, and it's so like it's an honor for me that you know you came into my practice that changed my my life in that little aspect and dealing with patients. And I've I've shared that with so many people, with swimmers around the country, about this isn't your barrier right here, you know, it's over there, because like Les Brown says, shoot for the moon, baby. Because if you miss, you might land among the stars. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.